Hi, I'm Maria Theoharis or Velo Sews on social media. Welcome back to Sober 50 Podcast on Soul Organized Style. Grab a cuppa and relax with us. On Soul Organized Style Podcast, I begin today by acknowledging the traditional custodians of the land on which we record this podcast and pay respects to the elders past and present. Thanks for joining us on Sober 50 Podcast on Soul Organized Style. Sober 50 intersects with all communities. We're a community that is so over ageism. Margaret Orr at North in Stitches on Instagram is today's Serve a 50 podcast guest, and she's accompanied by her daughter, Kath. And here they are. So thank you both for inviting me into your home today, Margaret. You're welcome. It's very nice to see you. It's lovely to see you both again. When we were talking earlier, you know, it's great that the two of you are here, but when was the last time the two of you were in the same room together? I think it might have actually been when we went up to the, what Froct- was it, it was Frocktail, wasn't it? I can't remember the name of it. I think the last time we were actually in the same room was then. I think it was. Because we were all in that same room too. We were. <laughs> Lots of us. So what was your impression of the Server 50 Frocktails? We thoroughly enjoyed it. Mm. It was such a, a happy, welcoming atmosphere. It was just fun. I mean, it was fun. I I think I did an awful lot of giggling, an awful lot of laughing, but everyone was open to talking about, I mean, obviously about sewing, but about anything really. It was just really lovely. I thoroughly enjoyed also meeting in person people who I knew lived at the other side of the world, but who I'd seen on Instagram. So it's like seeing, not exactly the same, but when you've seen an actor on television a lot of the time, you know the face really, really well. And then you see them in real life. You sort of feel as if you know them. So it it was lovely to meet people in person. Margaret, you're a Server 50 follower. I am. And Kat, do you follow Server 50 as well? Not Server 50, but I'm Server 40, which isn't quite as active as the Server 50s. And so I have recently started following them. But before I went to the Frocktails, I wasn't a Silver 50 follower. Are you part of any other sewing group at all? Actually, we're both part of Soul Soul Tune. Tune. Newcastle's known as The Tune, which is T-O-O-N. It's a sewing group in Newcastle. And we both go to sewing days. So there's probably about 15 of us get together. We bring our machines. We bring a project. And we basically set up in a room, sew, go around nattering to each other helping out if we've got any issues with what we're making. It's fantastic. Really lovely community. The reason why it's called So Tune, Tune is like a dialect version of town. And in this area, if you say you're going into the town, it means you're going into Newcastle City Centre. And it, it usually comes out as I'm going to. The dialect here is Geordie. Um, and Tune is a Geordie word for town. Yeah. And town means Newcastle. So when this group was founded by she's called Sewn on the Tyne and she's called Tamlin and she founded this group and started getting us together we started with a group of about seven six six or seven and then she found a bigger location she founded it because she's based north of the Tyne which is the river that flows through Newcastle. Can I just check back with you who is Tamlin's mother? Lynn yeah lions made with love she didn't make it to the frocktails, but she did keep asking us to say hi to people. Yes. <laughs> and she knew one of the ladies that I was talking to. She messaged me while I was there and said, say hello to. And it was this person that I was sat <laughs> next to us. Mm. Granny Linda Sows is one of her good yes. friends. Yeah. And yes. Lynn and Linda were on a podcast with me for the Sewing Friends. Ah. And here's the other link. 
Tamlin. Yeah. And I took a photo at the Knitting and Sewing Show. Oh, oh great. Yes. 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 She mentioned she was going to the Knitting and Sewing Show. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. Hi to Lynn, Linda and Tamlin. Yes. It's a really good group. And when we were there last, we don't go every month. It's yeah. too much for us. But when we were there last, she said she was going to the Knitting and mm. Stitching show. I was quite envious. Now we know a bit more about So Tune and Geordie Expressions. Geordie Expressions, yes. <laughs> They're very You've strange. Got the basics. Yeah. Very strange. <laughs> Are there any other Geordie Expressions we should know about? Way I, man. It means, of course. <laughs> There's also words like canny, which is lovely, happy, a lovely, genteel person. It's a very good thing to be called canny. Mm-hmm. One of my favourites is Ben, which is a child. It's like, you know, it's uh-huh. the Ben. Neither of us are very strong Geordies. We actually don't qualify as true Geordies. I do. You don't. You don't. You, born, you, you've got to be born very close to the River Tyne. I actually grew up in northwest Durham, so I'm quite a bit out. Catherine did grow up nearer to the mm. time. My mother was not a Geordie at all, so I didn't learn how to speak Geordie, really. I do have a little bit, but I get accused quite often of being Welsh, which I'm okay with. That's a lovely accent. Mm. But not many people pick up that it's Geordie. Yeah, so when, when we're thinking about all of the dialect, it's, it's hard to remember all of it because yes. I don't use it very often. It's good that we understand. So if somebody does come out with a Geordie expression, we generally can understand what it means. We may not reply in the same dialect, but we don't understand what they're saying. Is sewing a family hobby? Yes. Well, it's, it's family in the sense of, I mean, I have two siblings, neither of them sew. My sister does crochet, but she doesn't sew. But I saw mum sews, gran did as well. Yeah. Um, my great auntie did. I have another aunt who is married into the family who also sews. So it feels like it's a family hobby, but not necessarily with siblings. It's not with everybody. I did a lot of sewing as a teenager. My mother was a domestic science teacher. Do you understand that term? Oh, I know what that is. Home economics. (laughs) Yeah. It became home economics, but she was a domestic science teacher, which included sewing. She taught people how to cook, but she also taught people how to sew. And when I went to school, I did sewing lessons and I did sewing right up until I was 16 at school. So I had sewing at home and I had sewing at school. But there was no social media. So you learned through what the teacher told you. And sometimes she told me a strategy or a technique. And I didn't like that. So I did it my own way. My mum would tell me something. And I, oh, I don't like that. I'll do it my own way. And I, I did a lot of work just reading patterns. Yeah. And I yeah. used the big four, mostly Simplicity and Butterick. And Simplicity did these how to sew patterns as well. But you couldn't go on YouTube. You couldn't go on the internet and say, how do you do this? How do you do that? It was flying by the city of pants, really, and just learning as you went. I'd made most of my clothes as a teenager. And my mum was sewing a lot and making a lot of hers then. And my aunt was. Catherine came on board reluctantly later than you might imagine, because I was making things for them when they were growing up when it was economical to do so. So she knew that I was sewing, but the house wasn't set up in a way that I could do it and go back to it. The sewing machine would come out and go onto the dining room table and then she would do a bit of sewing and then it would all get packed up again and put back away. away. So it was mainly summer things, things that I could run up with fabric from markets and it was economical to do so. 
And then when she was at school, yeah, the school skirt incident, we'll call it. It was how old would I have been? I was sixteen-ish. Yeah, fifteen, sixteen, sixteen. Mum had said during the holidays with me and my my older sister, she says, "Right, we're going to make a school skirt for you for next year." And I'm like, mm, "Really? Are we? I don't want to." So dragged me through this project, kicking and screaming, and I hated it. I was terrible at school sewing. I was, I mean, appalling. You you wouldn't believe it, and I absolutely hated it. This skirt was made, it was too small, I didn't like it, you know, all of that lot. And it really did feel like I was being forced into it. But it was a lot later, it would have been about 10 years oh, ago-ish. It was about 2008. No, it was it was more like 2017, was it? Was yeah. That, yeah, I was yeah. going to a friend's wedding and I, I was at the time... Oh no, that is, sorry, that incident, <laughs> different. At the time, I didn't have two pennies to rub together because I was training um, and most of my money was going to that... And I needed this dress for this wedding. And I found a scrap of fabric in a bargain bin in our local shop, Phoenix, and basically traced a skirt that I already had and a T-shirt that I already had and kind of put them together and made it. When you look at the dress now, it's embarrassing. It wasn't very good. But after that, I kind of got the bug again and I managed to snaffle my auntie's sewing machine, um, a while back, my great aunt's machine. And then I started making bits and pieces but I had the privilege of social media and blogs and YouTube. So yeah. when I was yeah. teaching myself, it was much easier for me. And then she course, did ask me some questions, but she learned an awful lot on social media, yeah. which she then taught me. So I felt as if you know, when I came back to sewing in 2012, she was a great influencer on me because she found out techniques that I'd never learned before. Okay. And it was through social media. But I can distinctly remember the moment when we were we moved to the south of England in 2008. And I was packing up the house and getting rid of things I didn't want. And I had a box full of patterns, which oh, were dated patterns. dated back, <laughs> I don't know how long ago, these patterns. Like 60s, 70s, oh, 80s. Kind kind of, probably my wedding patterns. dress pattern was in there as well. And I just thought, I don't need these anymore. I had I wasn't sewing oh, and You know where it's going, you, don't you? You can hear yeah. it. <laughs> Catherine, do you... Do you want these? Are you and ever said, likely no, to want these? No, no, I'm not going to want them. I'm not interested. They went in the bin. <laughs> we're still mourning the loss <laughs> we of are the still, patterns. We are still mourning. I feel for you. I cannot believe it. And then she came to me when she was around about 25. Mum, do, do you still have those patterns? <laughs> no, you didn't want them. <laughs> My God. So they've gone, uh, unfortunately. Mind. Okay. I've seen, when I look on vintage pattern sites, I recognise some of the patterns I used oh. when I was a teen. But in those days, you may remember it, they only made a pattern in one size. Yes. But you bought that size. And when I was a teenager, I made, all of mine were Miss 14. And it worked. And it didn't matter what I made, that fit. And that was fine. I was perfectly happy. Whatever I made, I made a Miss 14. It worked. And then there was a bit of a hiatus with my sewing because my job took over. I was yep. very, very busy at work. Ofsted kicked in in England. And I don't know whether you know what Ofsted is, but it's school inspections. And it was horrible. It's highly stressful. Highly stressful. I stopped and the availability of fabrics went down. They weren't as economical. It was more expensive. And so I stopped and I had my aunt's old sewing machine, which was a singer futura and of course being so high tech it was dated back to the 70s but it was very sensitive and it broke 
they mended it and and serviced it and he says if it goes again it's not worth doing and so I got it out again in around about 2008 and it broke and I thought well that's the end I haven't got a sewing machine so I stopped until we moved into a proper house and I was able to treat myself to a new machine and that was about 2012 and then I made so I thought I'm going to make I'm going to make things because I can't find what I want in the shops and the first thing I made I used the size that I thought I was and I couldn't zip it up. It really is demoralising. It's made beautifully, made as well as I can make it. But when you can't put it on, mm-hmm. it's really demoralising. And so the indie patterns, and this is again mm-hmm. where Catherine came in with her influence and said, no, 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 mum, you need to measure. You need to measure. Don't rely on the pattern. Measure the pattern pieces. Measure this. And of course, once I started with the indie patterns, I now have, the dreadful fault of always making everything too big. Yeah. Every time. Because I'm terrified it's not going to fit. Every time. Oh, I'm going to make it this size. Like, no, measure yourself and bring it in. Bring it in because it's going to be too big. Yeah. I mean, I made a pair of Megan Nielsen Ash jeans and I went for the Ash Curve. And when I made them, the front was made, the back was made. It was sewn together. So I'm down, down to the side seams. I was terrified. I thought, I'm going to have to put a panel in here. I don't think this is going to fit. I really don't think. And I sewed the side seam up. And they were huge. And we've been on this journey together since mm. then, basically. Wow. Learning about yeah. fitting, learning about patterns, learning about techniques techniques, and all sorts. Yeah. Yeah. And stretch. It was Catherine who really got me into sewing with stretch fabrics. And I love sewing with stretch fabrics. Yeah. They're so forgiving. They are. They're so comfortable. <laughs> and they're easy to keep clean too. They yes. are. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah. That's a really good way of explaining what it was like to learn how to sew back in the day and how you can learn together now through social media. Yes. I was learning with my mum and my aunt in the same house. We can now learn from each other and you're in Sydney and I'm in England or sunny days is somewhere else. And we have been known to do Zoom calls with my mum here and me in concert and it's it's ridiculous because we're not even that far away from each other but quite often we'll you know do you want a zoom chat and then we're sat holding things up to the screen going what do you think we should do with this kind of thing and, and if we put headphones on we can continue machining you can keep sewing and the noise doesn't get in the way and you can still hear each other it's great yeah would you do that on a regular occasion it would be a weekend yeah. but it's not regular it happened more often during lockdown mm. when we didn't yeah. get to see each other Yes. But actually, since lockdown, Catherine's life's got busier, my life's got busier. And if we get a weekend, if we get a Saturday, and, you know, sometimes we'll do it. Because I know she's in her sewing room on a Saturday. Yeah, Saturday and is my sewing Quite day. often in my sewing room on a Saturday. <laughs> Having said that, both of us are going out this afternoon. <laughs> and neither of us are in the sewing room today. You need to have a Saturday where you're together just doing something else that you both enjoy. Well, we're going out, but we're not going out together. <laughs> okay. I'm going to meet my friends and, and she's I'm going, going to, to meet friends. What was it like when you planned to go to Frocktails together? So the Sub 50 Frocktails. Oh, when I saw the advert, I'd always wanted to go to a Frocktails. And there was one in North Yorkshire and it was at the beginning of 2020 oh it was arranged for something like <clears throat> june of 2020 um, and that had been arranged by you know purple sewing cloud sam was organizing that one yes i bought a ticket for it but you were going to be away i couldn't i couldn't time. go and then of course it all hit the fan anyway so it didn't happen um so after that there wasn't really anything going and on. i looked at pictures of people going to frocktails parties mm. and i thought i want to go to a frocktails party 
And when I saw that that was in Edinburgh, I thought, I'm not far from Edinburgh. And when I saw that Sandy was going to be there as well, I thought, I've got to go. I've got to go. I may never, ever get to, to meet Sandy at any other time. And so I thought, when you go to a reunion, I don't know what you feel like, but I nearly always need to have a buddy. Yeah. It's good to have a buddy. <laughs> I am usually that buddy. I asked Catherine if she was interested. I asked if I was allowed, because with it being the sore over 50, I said, am I allowed? Am I not too, you know, underneath the bracket for that? And they said, no, of course, you're you know, welcome. Everybody yeah, was welcome. In fact, there were a few people There was quite a few um, yeah. of the over 40s and a couple over 30s as well. So, yeah, I've, I've been around talking to a few. So then. we're really looking forward to the whole trip. So Catherine took a day off on the Friday. My other daughter took a day off, so I didn't have childcare on a Friday. And so we came up on the Friday morning and had Friday had to day in bimble around. It was a bit unfortunate, not unfortunate is the wrong word, but an unfortunate coincidence that my sister-in-law's birthday party in Nottinghamshire was on the Saturday night, which meant that we couldn't stay for Saturday because we would have had all day oh. Friday and we would have stayed on Saturday. Saturday and possibly met up with other people again because we saw yeah. lots of people doing fabric shopping and things but instead we were up at the crack of dawn back in the car heading south to go to this yes. birthday party it, that, that invitation came in after we booked yeah I'm so in a way I'm glad because if that invitation had come before we booked I probably would have said mm. I can't go to Frocktails but I, I would have been devastated knowing now how much we enjoyed it and how great it was to meet people and the contacts we've made mm. through it. It was an exhausting weekend with all of the travelling, but it was really good. And I'm, I'm really pleased we did both. You know, we managed to fit it all in and, and yeah. had a great time. It sounds like you both had an amazing weekend and the Frocktails kicked it off. It really was great. I didn't take enough photos. <laughs> I agree. I'm so glad that photographer was there. Mm. But I didn't take enough photos. And I mean, we could have asked him to take a really nice one of the two of us, but we didn't. We forgot. We we were just so wrapped up in it. Catherine made a really good friend. Well, you chatted a lot yeah. to that. Yeah. And I didn't even take a photograph of them. <laughs> um, it, you know. So you come away thinking, oh, I wish I'd done this, that and the other. And I didn't take part in the catwalk. I was going to. I was heading for the catwalk list and got sidetracked and didn't get my name down. So I didn't end up taking part in it, but I, I sort of wish I had. And so that catwalk that they may have seen photos of, everyone who took part, they put their name down for it. Yes. And it wasn't mandatory. It was just a bit of fun. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It yeah. was just a chance to show off what you'd made and, yes. you know, everyone cheering you on because yeah. everyone wants to cheer you on. <laughs> it was fun. Once everyone got started, it was just, a, yeah, you know, everyone. Everyone just had a whale of a time with it. I think we just went nuts and just enjoyed the night. And then there was the dancing, the Highland dancing as well towards oh, the yes. end. They did the Cayley dancing. Yeah, well, did the we yes. recognised them all because uh, I learned all of those dances at school. I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> but we'd, done, we'd been to lots of Cayleys where we've done dances like that before as well. Yeah, it was fun. It was great. We should be talking about your sewing. Margaret, what type of sewing do you enjoy doing the most? And then, Kat, you can tell us what you enjoy doing the most. Do you know, I'm not a one for favourites because if somebody said to me, for example, what's your favourite book? I couldn't give you one because I, I would say, well, I like that book, but I like that book. I don't like fitted clothing. And I think that's a lot to do with the fact that as you get older, you thicken out at the waist. And I don't like to be restricted. I like to be comfortable. 
However, I don't just make stretch. I'm wearing a South Bank sweater dress. It's great. It's gorgeous. I like making a lot of jeans, but I've now decided, having made a couple of non-stretch jeans, I like stretch jeans because I like the comfort. I'm forever pursuing the best fit. Forever. But then when you buy jeans, you don't necessarily get the best fit. It's one of those journeys that you're always on. I make a lot for my grandchildren and I do enjoy it. I find it more fiddly, but I've been on a long journey. There's a pile of grandchildren's clothing somewhere because it's my grandson's birthday. My two granddaughters are coming over from Ireland and I don't post anything to Ireland since Brexit because it costs too much. So I've been doing a lot of sewing for them. I find it very quick to run up a pair of leggings. I did two leggings, two pairs of leggings in one day. What I love doing most is difficult to pinpoint. I love working with stretch. So I like making t-shirts. I like making sweater dresses. I'm going to venture into making leggings. My free pattern from the Frocktails, I bought a leggings pattern. Oh, yeah. And that's to go with my sweater dresses because I prefer to wear leggings under these. But I also like making jeans. And I actually like making coats and jackets. I've made quite a few of them. And the other thing that I have lots of are loose floaty viscose tops, like willow tanks and scout tees, things like that. Yeah, it all sounds like you're enjoying sewing for yourself and for your grandchildren. Yes. How many grandchildren do you have? I have four. Oh, congratulations. Yeah. I have four. I'm not going to have any more. That's the total. So I've got three granddaughters and one grandson. Okay. Kat, you're sewing. What do you enjoy sewing the most? Actually, what mum listed there, I think I'm pretty much the same. I'm obsessed with jeans. I wear jeans 99% of the time. And I'm also obsessed with making jeans. I really do love that process. I also, again, I really like making jackets and coats. I've had the week off and I've just made myself a new coat out of it. I love making new coats. I really like shirts as well. So I like to anything with buttons, basically. That's different. I don't wear shirts. shirts. No, but but yeah, I think if I was going to go with favourites, it's mostly things, jeans, jackets, shirts kind of thing. I do make for my nephew and nieces. Not as often. It tends to only be for special occasions. But I've made my nieces some pyjamas for Christmas and I've just made my little nephew a little jumper for his birthday as well. So. And again, I'm the same. They're so fiddly. Those tiny little cuffs, trying to get Mm -hmm. those through a machine. Ah, I hate it, but once they're made, they're adorable. So, you know, I fall in love with them. They are adorable. Margaret and Kath, where can we find you online? Well, you know I'm North in Stitches. Yep. And I have an Instagram account and I do write blogs, but it's a long time since I've written a blog and that's on WordPress. Yeah. And it's because of the time that it takes. In fact, I wrote a blog and it's in draft form only because I haven't had time to do the photographs that go with it. And I find the photographs, Catherine and I agree on this, we find the photograph element of a blog post quite fiddly and time consuming, Mm -hmm. and I'd rather be sewing. So to a large extent, my social media output has reduced because I'd rather be sewing and I'll put a quick photo on um, Instagram. What I don't tend to do is post the children's clothing very much yep. because quite often they're for presents. <laughs> and so it does you, make it tricky, doesn't so it? So it makes it tricky because you don't want to post them until they've got them. And then you forget to post them. And then you forget to post them and all the rest. And I have plans in my head. I'm writing yeah. blogs all the time. Mm. It doesn't necessarily go onto the page. 
So, but that's where you can find me. Okay. And Kat? I'm on Instagram as well. I am making with needles. I did start a blog initially. I must admit, I haven't written a blog post now in about two years. The habit just dropped off. And I think mum put it perfectly. I'd rather be sewing than sitting writing blog posts. I do put quite a lot on Instagram. That is just a sewing account. I don't really put anything else on there. No, I don't. It's not there for any other reason. No. I really like being able to, you know, put a picture up going, look at this thing I made. Isn't it fantastic? And then everyone else comes in with, yes, it is. It's amazing. And you can do the same with other people and just, I love it. That's amazing. You know, liking other people's projects. It's such a powerful tool. And in fact, we were quite shocked. And this is the 2017 incident that I was referring to. The skirt that Catherine made when she was 16, 15, I showed her a technique for putting a zip in. (laughs) And... I don't know where this came from. Somebody had asked, what's your favourite tip? It was one of those challenges you get on Instagram where, you know, each day they ask you to do a different picture. And I can't remember which challenge it was. But one of the questions was, share your favourite tip and technique. So I shared a technique for putting in a zip where you saw the seam up, iron the the thing out flat, put the zip on the back of it, stitch around and then unpick the seam. So it makes a beautiful, you know, little zip. Mum sent me a message saying, that's a brilliant technique. Where did you learn that? No, I, I knew about it, but, I, you know, but you said, where did you learn I, it? I, I said, did wonder where you'd learned From it. you. You taught me that. <laughs> I taught her how to do it. But what was amazing, how many hits did you get on Oh, that? quite a few. In the approaching 400 likes on this. Yeah. I'm, I'm not somebody who gets an awful lot of likes on Instagram. And it's not about the likes necessarily, but, you know, I, it's quite a quiet account. And every now and again, a post kind of blows up a little bit. And that was one of them that, that got quite popular. It surprises me what, and I sometimes wonder whether it's the hashtags I'm using. And I go mm-hmm. back and say, which hashtag did I use? And I got one, and I think it was the Zadie jumpsuit, and I'd put two. And it blew up out of all mm-hmm. proportion. It was amazing how many likes I got on that. And I thought, I didn't realise that many people looked at what ah, I did. the Zadie jumpsuit, though. <laughs> I know. And I, I do think that the hashtag makes a difference because yeah. it's what comes up. It's, it's what people can see, yeah. what's visible. But, yeah. yeah, that was quite funny though. It was when I said, Where did you learn that <laughs> one? Because I thought, That's the technique I use. How did you find out about it? And it was, it was that incident with the school skirt where she taught me how to put the zip in that way. And I've always used that technique since. There you so, go, Margaret. Catholic <laughs> from you. Well, that was from my mum. It's what goes around, comes around. It's, you know, historical. Ah, oh, sorry. It's so uh, it's been passed down from generation to generation. Has, yeah. yeah. Oh. Cool. That's great. Margaret, how did you become involved in the Sub 50 community? It was really by accident because once I had an Instagram account, which was relatively recent, really, it was after 2012. It was probably about 2013. I can't remember. But I really started seriously sewing more like 2016 after the big hiatus. And I remember looking at people's hashtags and and I saw this so over 50. And I was attracted to it because I wasn't 60 at the time. I was I was in my 50s. And I thought, well, this is ideal because it shows that there's a community of people who care about what they look like, who care about what they're wearing and are prepared to share. And I found it really encouraging to see what people were making. And you didn't have to be a frump just because you were over 50. And so many people have said that once you get to 50, you seem invisible. Well, this is a a community where you're not invisible and where you see people who do dress very smartly, very, and and are 
care about the environment as well, care about what they're wearing, care about how much they're spending or not spending and supporting each other. And I don't think I realised that a hashtag had that much power until I just started using the hashtag. Mm. That was how I did it. Not just, just a hashtag, is it? It's a whole group of It's people. a whole group of people. And I don't think then, I was new to Instagram at that point, I didn't realise that this kind of group needed an administrator of any kind. But of course, now I know why you do. And just adding the hashtag was enough. But then you need to start engaging with the other people. So if people put a comment and you comment back, that's when you build the relationship. And I think it, with Sandy, Sunny Days, it was more like after 2018, once I'd moved back to the Northeast, and she started commenting on things that I'd done. And I answered her question you know, and, and commented back. And we started having a bit of a, a relationship. And I thought, well, she's very similar. When we spoke to each other at Frocktails, I thought we could go on for a week easily. Yes. We had enough in common to talk to each other for ages, mm. you know. And actually, this is the thing I really like about all of the sewing, all of the crafting communities, actually, let's face it, it's not just sewing, is actually how warm everybody is, how encouraging and, you know, supportive. Yeah. I actually rave about it to my non-crafting friends, you know, people who I work with when they say, oh, what do you do in your spare time? And I'll say how lovely and in including this group is. You know, I mean, I, I love the soul over 50 because I think you're spot on. You know, you don't just become you know, invisible once you're over 50. But there's a group for pretty much every, you know, subsection of the sewing empire, as it were. And nobody has any malicious intent. No. Even if you've made something and you, you look like a sack of potatoes in it and you're like, oh, isn't this awful? People have encouraging words to say. People might say, are you interested in tips? Are you not interested? You know. If nothing else, they usually say, oh, well, you know, next time, you know, not to do it in that way or anything. It's always a positive comment. And I think that really brightens my day a little bit. I mean, you know, people always say about social media being quite an evil thing. It's not when it comes to the crafting community. No, it's a really positive thing. I haven't encountered any evil at all in the, my use of social media. And I know lots of people have, have said, oh, I won't touch Facebook, I won't touch this, I won't touch that, mm. I won't go on Instagram. And it depends on which groups you want to belong to and what you want to post. What I don't do is post a lot about my personal life. Mm. Yep. That doesn't go up. And my daughter Christine's children don't have their faces on social media. But my son's daughters do, but that's his choice. Mm. Exactly. You know, it's trying to remember which niece you can put a picture up of as well. Yes, even though I know he puts his pictures up. I don't put pictures of other people up unless I know I have their permission. Mm. You get permission first, yeah. So there's very little about my private life goes up now and again. I've put, oh, I'm waiting at the station at seven o'clock in the morning and there's a beautiful sunrise or something like that I'll put up. But I don't put a lot up because I don't want people to know a lot about me necessarily. But you know all the people who are following you on Instagram yes. or people who are similarly minded yes. and, and interested in all of this. And if, if I get one of those strange friend requests, which <laughs> you get from strange, and it's usually strange blokes, I think they just want likes. I think they just want followers. Mm -hmm. I just block them. Yeah. If it has nothing to do with sewing, then I block them. That's the best strategy. You've got to control the use of your social media. Yeah. So, And many people, they start on Instagram and they have a private account and they will follow people. 
And then after a while, they feel comfortable, especially in the, in the crafting community, and mm-hmm. then they'll become public. And it doesn't matter how long it takes you to feel comfortable. It's positive to know that a lot of people, you know, make their account public once they do feel mm-hmm. comfortable. I hear that story all the time. Once they realise how supportive everyone is and how much you can take from it, yeah, just become public. And, and as, as I'm with you on that, I'll block anybody who seems a bit weird. Um, mm-hmm. But if, if you have the similar interests, I'm like, yeah, come on in, you know. And I don't put mine on Facebook as well. You know how sometimes it'll offer the option to share on Facebook as well. I don't do that with sewing because I feel as if I'm boasting a bit. I was going to say, do you find actually if you share on Facebook with all of your non-sewing friends, it feels like you're showing off? Yes. Yeah, that's weird that, that, isn't it? I'm I'm the same. I've got lots of people who would comment. But those people who know I sew, they follow my Instagram anyway, Mm -hmm. so they can see it if they want it. But I don't feel as if I need to inflict it. I mean, I don't have inflict it. Inflict it <laughs> on my Facebook group. Yeah, that, yeah, strange word to use. I don't have many Facebook followers, you know, friends anyway. I can't remember the last time I posted on Facebook. I read people, but I don't. I don't you, you lurk, but you don't. Post. I lurk. Yeah. The blog became more of a chore. Yeah. And so the blog died a little bit. You get more interaction from your Instagram. Yes. And I you, can go, you can go into more detail. But what I also found was spending a long time writing the blog, getting the pictures right, putting them in the right place, getting the font right, all the rest of it. And then you have four people who read it and you think, I don't think I want to spend that amount of time for four yeah. people reading mm-hmm. it. Yeah, that makes sense. It can become quite a good record of what you've done. The yes. No, that's true. I have a sewing journal. I don't write about absolutely every single project. So, for example, the leggings that I make for the children, I've made them so often, I don't need to think about the pattern at all and there's Mm. no need to write about it. I bet you've made copious notes about jeans, though. I've made copious (laughs) notes about jeans and I've made copious notes about jackets and a new pattern that I've used. If If I get a new pattern, I'll write about it as well. Sometimes when I go back to my notes, I think, I didn't write in enough detail. I didn't say enough about this. I can't remember. What advice would you give to people who are new to sewing? One seam at a time. Don't see it as Mount Everest. See it as one seam at a time. And it doesn't matter how long you've been doing it, you're going to make mistakes. Because even with that jacket I've just made, I made a big mistake right at the end and it's infuriating, but you're going to do it. So mistakes are how you learn. And also not everybody's makes are perfect Sometimes you see perfection on Instagram, but that's rare to see absolute perfection. For example, I saw somebody post a picture of a T-shirt she'd made and the neckline was stunning. And I just looked and thought, how do you get a neckband in like that? But not everybody does that. It's fine not to be absolutely perfect. Mm -hmm. I would say as well, ask questions. If you're on social media, put the questions out there. There is always somebody who can answer it for you. There's mm-hmm. always someone who has the advice. That's really how I learned from that. Read the instructions through thoroughly before you <laughs> I even never do that. start. <laughs> I never do that. I have That's to say, mistakes. and also measure, measure, measure before you cut. Yes. And trust your measurements. <laughs> I've been standing there with the pattern all laid and pinned and the scissors in my hand and I still think, shall I, dare I cut it? (laughs) But yeah, just go for it. It's fun. Good.
Margaret and Kath, thank you for coming onto the podcast for Sober 50 and for talking about your sewing experiences. And thank you for telling us more about SoTune because I know that Lynn and Linda would have talked about SoTune in their podcast, but it's good to bring it back into people's ears so that if they live in the area, they can follow the hashtag SoTune and get in contact with Tamlin. Well, they're very welcome as well. More importantly, Margaret and Kat, thank you for coming on to the podcast and giving us your time and telling us your story. Thank you for having us. Thank you for inviting us. It's been an, an absolute pleasure. It's been fun. Oh, thank you. Okay, Take then. Bye. Bye. This episode for Sober 50 Podcast on Soul Organized Style was produced by me, Maria Thea Harris, with permission of Margaret and Kat, sound by bensound.com. Listeners, if you want to provide a guest post for Sober 50, make sure you direct message Judith and Sandy at the Sober 50 account on Instagram. Also, keep an eye out for the next Sober 50 Live event that Bird and Molly are hosting. Remember, these Sober 50 Live events will always be available on the Sober 50 account. You can subscribe to Soul Organized Style Podcast, but with an S not a Z on all good podcast apps. Make sure you go back and listen to our free Sober 50 Podcast archive and if you can, consider supporting the production of this podcast on Patreon so I can keep producing it for you. We look forward to joining you in your sewing room next time. Stay safe, everyone. <laughs>